That's right, folks. Here we are with another episode of Bass Edge Radio, brought to you by MegaWare Keelguard. MegaWare Keelguard. Do not be fooled by imitators. There are certainly several out there, but only one commands the respect of Bass Edge Nation to earn that spot on your boat, and that, of course, is MegaWare Keelguard. Be sure to visit them at keelguard.com. Everybody, it is time. It is topwater time, but most importantly, it is time for another episode of Bass Edge Radio. Let's get the show on the road. We got a lot of great interviews today, talking a little something different, not your typical bass or FLW type info here. We're going to another direction and we'll bring it to you right now. know the importance of protecting your investments, so why use anything other than the toughest keel protector for your boat? Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology. Keelguard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the most dependable, most trusted keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. Keelguard keel protectors. Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment, the PowerPole is the ultimate shallow-water boat positioning tool. Swift, PowerPole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, PowerPole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong currents or gusting winds in up to 8 feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. PowerPole, swift, silent, secure. Visit PowerPole.com to find a dealer near you. Bass Edge Radio. Commence broadcast in three, two, one. You're listening to The Edge. Everything bass fishing coming to you nationwide from the Bass Edge Studios. Aaron, wow, dude. I'm happy to uh, get on with another episode of Bass Edge Radio right here. What we've got going on is a ton of stuff, dude. But I got to tell you, one thing that's really interesting that I've seen over the last couple of events is a technique or a bass behavior. We don't talk about a whole lot here on on Bass Edge Radio. And uh, we talk a lot about post-spawn and and how to catch some post-spawn fish. And sometimes those fish are tough to get to. But one way to really dial in some bites in a post-spawn period is looking for frogs. Fry garters. Talk to Bass Edge Nation a little bit about fry garters and what you're trying to do to catch those fish. Well, uh, first, I need to throw out the disclaimer. I'm by no means an expert because fry garters to me are somewhat of a form of sight fishing, right? They're kind of cruising around. They're very protective, kind of protecting that bait so that nothing uh, comes up and eats their young, I guess, if you will, kind of a, right. a, a mother protecting their young. But one of the things that I did pick up early on, it was actually an old segment of Bass Edge that we filmed with Dave Woolack way back when and we were down in in South Carolina and he had showed me that basically one of the things that he does is he sees them and obviously you've got to be careful because you don't want to spook them. They generally know that you're there because you can see them but it's to potentially lead kind of that fish of where maybe that school is swimming to and if they're cruising down the irregular bank line but you're kind of casting to possibly where they're going or if it's stationary you're trying to more or less bring that bait into them naturally to come in from behind so that it creates 
you know, something that is trying to eat the fish. And and that's basically kind of my understanding and where my successes came from. What about you, Kurt? Yeah, yeah, buddy. I agree with you 100%. It's a neat thing that you don't hear a whole lot of people talk about, but you described it as sight fishing, and it really kind of is. So those fish being up there, the small fry being in the shallow water, typically around some type of cover, whether it be, you know, a little clump of grass or maybe some lay down logs or something in the water, but typically around some kind of cover in a great way to just fan cast a bank and target these bass are also with the old school floating worm. You know, because of that bait kind of stays up into the water column and it can get around those fry and those bass will see that as a, a predator of their fry and that's when they attack it. I, I remember uh, several years back, Mike Iconelli won a tournament at Lake Gunnersville, and one of his key fish was a fry garter and he saw the fry and he really agitated the fish into biting by making his loop appear to be foraging on the fry and uh, he really had to downsize a basically a small trick worm it looked like to entice that bass to bite but uh, you know fry guarding is when things can get tough out there offshore a little bit when you're in this in-between period of fishing you know the fish really aren't quite in the summer patterns yet you're getting a top water bite here and there but they're not really schooled up outside on the deep stuff but um, you know kind of cruising the banks and a fun way to fish is looking for fry garters and um, kind of attacking fishing in a different way this time of year that a lot of people don't really key on. So uh, that is definitely a lot of fun. But uh, hey, look, we're jamming already in this segment and a lot of fun stuff. I got to throw out there real quick. Don't forget the Bass Zone 20 foot deep segment, the Lake Gunnersville. Man, that thing is up running and it is freaking awesome. You got to check that out. Matt Pragnack and Bass Zone doing a great job putting out some uh, bass fishing media. But uh, we're going to talk real quick about keeping you safe out on the water. We've got a little special segment coming to you from Dustin King of Boat US. Let's get Dustin on the line and get this thing kicked off. So many times we talk here on Bass Edge Radio about being prepared, whether that be through your tackle, your boat, mentally, what have you. But there is nothing that brings more peace of mind of knowing that if you have a breakdown or a mishap, that you are covered. And today I am happy to welcome Dustin King from Boat US. Dustin, welcome to the show. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you having me on the show. You know, you're right. Being, uh, you know, an angler myself, having peace of mind, knowing that you know, you can go and find fish wherever you need to go and find fish. And if something happens um, unfortunate on the water, you know, Boat US is here to take care of you. You know, um, our towing coverage on the water is just a little over $70 a year, 72 bucks a year. So, you know, it's very affordable and, and it gives you a great peace of mind. You know, a lot of guys in the bass fishing world, you know, I travel all around the tournaments all the time. And, you know, a lot of guys say, well, you know, I've got a brand new boat. Hopefully it don't break down. Unfortunately, you know, I myself had an experience where I used Boat US just recently. I was fishing the uh, Big Bass Splash on Lake Gunnersville. I'm lucky enough. I've got a, a, a brand new Ranger and a 2015 motor on it. And, you know, unfortunately, less than 40 hours on the motor and blew a powerhead on Lake Gunnersville. So unfortunate things happen. I think it's safe to say as tournament anglers, we're very rough on our equipment, you know, and Boat US was able to come out there. They picked me up, had me back to the boat ramp in about 45 minutes. And, uh, you know, even the captain um, that come out there and got me, you know, 
the motor wouldn't crank. So he helped me get the boat on the trailer and took care of me. And only thing I had to do for $72 a year was sign my receipt, which if I would not have been a boat US member, just that short little 45 minute tow would have cost me right at uh, right at $400. So wow. I definitely think it's safe to say it's well worth its money. Yeah, that paid for a couple years of membership, no doubt. Dustin, the cool thing about boat US, not only on the water does it protect you, but also they've got trailer assistance. If you could talk about that, I know a lot of weekend anglers, you know, it's hard to keep up with something that you're not doing every day. And uh, boat trailers are one of those things that you can have pickups with traveling to and from bodies of water. Oh, man. Yeah, I tell you, we're definitely rough on trailers, too, as, as anglers in general. Like I said, $72 covers you on the water. For an extra $14, you can get that same great coverage on the road for your truck and your boat trailer anytime that you're towing that boat. So fuel deliveries, battery jump starts, blowouts, flat tires, anything like that. Give Boat US a call 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We're going to send somebody out to help you on the side of the road. If it's repairable on the side of the road, we're going to fix it on the side of the road for you. If not, you get towed for free up to 100 miles to wherever you need to go. For instance, say your truck breaks down while you're towing your boat. Boat US is going to come out there and they're going to tow your truck and your boat back to wherever you need to go within 100 miles. They're not going to leave your boat sitting on the side of the road. Um, I think we can all agree for most of us nowadays, you know, our boats are worth more than our vehicles. And so, you know, (laughs) we don't want to leave somebody's boat sitting on the side of the interstate because, you know, they had an alternator go out in their truck or something like that. So we've got the equipment. We know the people that have the equipment that they can come out there and take care of your truck and your boat both. So, Dustin, if somebody wants to sign up for Boat US, where can they get all the information? information and where do they need to go check this out online they can go to boatus.com go to our towing link all the information's there and you know also while they're there stop by and get a free insurance quote boat us has great full coverage insurance something we do that you know a lot of the insurance companies are not doing right now is we also have tournament reimbursement so you know if you're going to a fishing tournament something happens unfortunately where you can't make to that fishing tournament and you've already paid your tournament entry fee you file a claim with boat us and we're going to reimburse your tournament expenses as well so i think boat us has a lot of great things for your listeners and uh, like i said they can go to boatus.com and learn all we do Awesome, buddy. Well, we appreciate the information. I think this was an important segment for uh, our listeners to understand the uh, possibilities out there to protect your investment and keep things enjoyable on the water, not get too frustrated with uh, Boat US out there taking a look at you and uh, keeping you fresh and on the water and safe. So uh, I tell you what, we got to move into the next segment. We got the Angler Spotlight coming up next. Two fishermen came together with one agenda to construct bass boats superior in design and build with a flawless finish with our boats exhilarating handling and smooth ride extreme rough water just doesn't exist we're not just building a boat we're building a legend legend boats Hey everybody, I'm excited about this, man. It should be a lot of fun. In this episode's Angler Spotlight, 
We've got a pro that now has been on both of the circuits, BASS and FLW, but we're specifically going to chat about another one that is a made-for-TV event that he also competes in. Major League Fishing competitor Scott Ashmore is in the house. What's up, Scott? What's up, man? I'm here. Yeah, it's uh, bright and early. Going to have some storms here in Oklahoma. We're waiting for it to happen. Well, it's uh, certainly that time of year, and we're ready for the storm, the fury that you're going to bring with information (laughs) kind of that is is broken down. But uh, hey, we'd like to welcome you to the show, and let's get right to it. Why do you feel that this, uh, and I'm going to take a stab here, this cult of Major League Fishing is so popular. It has absolutely taken the fishing community by storm in the last three or four years. Well, I tell you what, you know, it's um, it comes down to uh, no information, no help, raw talent, you know, uh, running on instinct. And it's not something anybody gave you. It's not something anybody had time, you know, enough time to figure out three days worth of fishing. It's now and it's in your face. And, uh, you know, that reality is what makes it real, I think, that people enjoy you know, including the fishermen. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, of course, we're talking about here with the, the competition aspect to where, you know, you basically you show up at a undisclosed body of water and you, and you got to get to it. And I always kind of compare it to, you know, in, in most sports, you have timeouts, right? You get to meet with a coach or you get to huddle or you go into halftime. But this is a little bit like uh, kind of like wrestling. There are no timeouts. You know, you've got the time on the mat and that's all you have. That's it. It's you, it's you and the official and the, a couple of cameramen, you know, there's no help. It's a you're a one man army. Well, Scott, let's talk a little bit about how these events are set up. You talk a little bit about the no information, and let's take that one step further. Go through for our listeners exactly how you score in an event and how it's kept track and, and what they're really seeing when they when they tune on to this. By the way, you can tune on and watch Major League Fishing events. It's on the Outdoor Channel. Saturdays at 2 p.m. are the premier events, meaning the first run, and then they have uh, other runs throughout the week, so you can capture the show. But with everybody's DVR these days, just uh, 2 p.m. on the outdoor channel on Saturdays is when the official run is. But how are these events set up? Let's talk about uh, that real quick and, and and basically give everybody the perspective of it. Yeah, well, there's you know there's 24 of us that have been selected to be in the selects, and uh, you know we a few days before uh, an event happens, you know we get a destination given to us, a, a hotel anyway, you know not a lake, not any information or anything like that, and we're actually not allowed to look as we, you know, commute and head that direction as to what lakes are around or are do anything or talk to anybody or get on the internet, nothing. You know, it's something that you can't do or you could be disqualified if you failed the lie detector test. So, but yeah, we show up at a hotel and six guys a day will compete. And so the night before you are told you're going to be competing, you, you load all your equipment, your rods and your tackle, and you have all these rods rigged for a different, uh, you don't know if you're in clear water, dirty water, or a river, or a lake, or salt water. Heck, you know, I mean, it just kind of depends. You have some idea. But anyway, you put all your stuff in the boat the night before. You wake up, you get a cup of coffee and a breakfast sandwich thrown in your face, and you get in the truck in the dark. And <laughs> you, it's like you're, you, like you're uh, being kidnapped you know, or something here. <laughs> it, it is, man. You don't know where you're going, and it's a lot of fun. And, you know, it's, 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 it's something that will, uh, I don't know, it, it's different every event. You know, because, you know, I fished all over the United States, but still, though, you know, you go to places, you have no idea. And so it really makes for a, a good event. But uh, back to the fishing, you know, so you go to the lake, you get handed a piece of paper and it says this is where you are. They put all the boats in and you get 15 minutes to run around. And then the, the official will count it down and tell you when to start. And you start competing 
you know, at the same time everybody else does. There's six guys out there, six camera boats, six cameramen, and six officials. And so you fish three two and a half hour periods, uh, come back for a you know half hour in between each one of them, and uh, take your break, rig your tackle or whatever. But uh, that's the kind of deal it is. But it's all live. You know exactly when somebody catches a fish and how much weight everybody has. The fish have to be 12 inches long, and uh, man, it's a heart beater. And it comes down to the last seconds. Trust me, I know in the ones that I've done well in. <laughs> uh, yeah, in every one of them. So you can lead an event for the entire event, and then at the end of it, somebody catch a three-pounder, and you've been two pounds ahead the whole game day. So you can't back off the throttle the whole day. you really got to swing at it. And the neat thing is every fish counts. So it's a 12-inch minimum side, size limit no matter where you're at. It's, it's immediate catch and release. So you're weighing the fish, and it's counted on your score tracker, and uh, everybody else finds finds out that, oh, Scott Ashmore just caught another fish and kind of ramps up the pressure a little bit. But it's not, you know, the five fish. It's every fish that you catch counts. And and I think that's really neat. It almost changes the strategy of how an angler might fish a event. But the cool thing about it is that's what every weekend angler wants to do that, you know, that, that sure that everybody likes to catch big fish, but really just to get out there and catch fish is so important to anglers. It is. And, you know, and it, and it can really change the way you fish. You know, it seems like, I mean, you have the choice A or B pretty much. I'm going to fish for big fish or I'm going to fish for quantity. And, you know, depending upon your confidence level and what you're doing, what your strength is that you're doing that day and how well you're catching them, you have to make that decision. And so it does change the way you fish and how you're catching them, what you use, you know, am I, am I throwing a buzz bait? Am I throwing a shaky head or am I throwing a jig, you know, or am I flipping wood or am I fishing around docks? It, it really can alter the way you fish. And, and, and that gets weird too, because, you know, and you know, the individuals, they all have their strengths. And so that plays into, you know, if one of those guys is doing well, you're like, well, dadgummit, Tommy Biffle's throwing a Biffle bug or he's flipping the cover or whatever, because you know that's his strength. And so it's like, well, man, he's doing good. So maybe I should be doing that and not throwing this shaky head. So it all comes into play. Well, let me throw out to, to both of you guys, since you are both competitors in the Major League Fishing, you know, the, the grassroots guys, right? The, the guys that are out here like myself who have a regular job and have limited time. I mean, this essentially is, I, I think, probably why it is so popular from a TV perspective is because that's the amount of time and that's kind of what you just described, uh, the life of, of the weekend warrior. They have limited amounts of time. They they don't have, you know, the, the luxury or, or the opportunity to take off perhaps that much work. So, you know, would you agree, is it safe to say to both of you that that's why this perhaps does resonate so much with the weekend anglers? Go ahead, Kurt. I think you're 100% right there, Aaron. I, I think you're putting the viewer in the same position that they face every weekend or twice a month or, or three times a year, depending on how often they get to go out and fish. So um, that that's why it's such an educational tool. The competition is a uh, great entertainment, but really what it comes down to, I think for every angler is it, is it has that other segment of education. You know, how does somebody attack a lake that they haven't been 
been able to spend any time on or, or don't know, you know, what's going on or what type of lake it is and, and those types of things. Because that's what every weekend angler faces when they get up on Saturday morning after a hard day's work and they want to go out and wind down. They want to wind down not just by fishing, but they want to wind down by catching some fish and having some fun. And, and they're looking at, you know, Scott Ashmore and saying, hey, this guy's got a lot of success going to a lake he's never been to. How is he breaking it down? But then also at the same time, there's the stress and pressure and the competition that people are are enjoying as the entertainment process. So it's it's got a lot of key factors that uh, enable it to be very successful as a TV event. You know, Scott, you've proven to be able to locate and catch fish fast. You have won two MLF events over the last two seasons in the selects category. Most recently, that was aired on television, the Mosquito Lake event in Ohio. What is your approach to fishing when you have no information or preconceived knowledge of the lake? What are you doing to ultimately have success of being able to hit the water just like every weekend angler wants to do and start catching fish fast? You know, I, I really keep it simple. You know, it's like if you were a kid and you walked up to a pond and you looked at that pond, I mean, with what little time you have to look at it, I have to kind of analyze the situation. Just let, let's call it a pond. And you see, you know, heck, I see a lay down over there. There's probably some fish around that wood. Look at that that island or that point, you know, and just keep it basic and not overthink it, you know, not try to fish the whole lake at once. You know, there's only so much you can do within your 15 minutes. And so to me, that downsizes what I'm doing and I just keep it simple. I don't try to overthink it. And so, you know, uh, if it looks like a place you can catch a fish on a top water, you know, seeing what the wind's doing, seeing what the water clarity is, you know, it just allows you to put it together and not get too crazy with it but just keep it uh i guess keep it simple you know don't try to get too fancy with it and and just fish (laughs) fish where your gut tells you you can catch a fish you know so. You make an interesting statement there about reading the conditions. Do you feel like that's probably one of the most important things rather than what, obviously, your, your conditions are going to alter what kind of techniques that you utilize, but do you feel like reading the conditions is primary objective and first understanding how to catch the fish? Well, you know, I think it's it's all part of one of the ingredients that ends up telling you, your gut tells you where to catch a fish, you know? So things come into play and, and they are past experience. When we say reading the condition, you say, well, you know, we got a breeze going in here. You read the condition because it's a certain time of year and you know that the fish are pre-spawn, post-spawn, or it's, you know, in the middle of the summer. So you have some history, you have some experiences that all come into play. They're what drives the gut and tells you where to fish. And so, you know, to me, it's just an, it's an ingredient that helps you make decisions. Gotcha. Gotcha. That's good stuff. Hey, guys, I tell you what, we're getting a little long right here. We're going to take a short pause for just a few messages from our partners. Bass Edge Radio will be right back with pro angler Scott Ashmore. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. If it's hard to stop or you hear squealing and grinding noises during braking, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts. You'll find the brake parts you need from trusted brands like BrakeBest, BrakeBest Select, and Wagner ThermoQuiet at everyday low prices. Play it safe with brake parts from O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices, every day. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Bass Edge 
Radio returns with Major League Fishing Angler Scott Ashmore in our Angler Spotlight, brought to you in part by O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hey, Scott, it seems that so many times we're talking about how well, you know, an angler's done in practice or, or how good a practice I had or, or you had, but then potentially struggled during competition. You know, obviously with, with Major League Fishing, and if we're just like, like we keep relating back to, this is so uh, dialed into what happens to 98% of anglers out there that just get to go fishing on Saturday or maybe Sunday or once or twice a month. How can anglers overcome that do tournament fish, you know, having a good practice and then struggling during competition? Well, I'll tell you what, I mean, that's a, that's a great question and, it, and it's a hard lesson to learn. I know, you know, I've struggled with it for sure. You know, practice is great if I think, you know, you have to get it in your head what you're doing. And practice can can very well hurt you too because you go practice and you say, well, I, I, you know, I caught a fish there. I caught some fish in this area. I caught one off that lay down, off that point. Whatever it is, what happens is during the tournament, at, you know, after you've practiced, you go to a place where you've caught some fish. You're no longer hunting. You are going and expecting. That is what, to me, that has hurt me and hurt, you know, and I think hurts other anglers. You, you fish differently. You know, you, you throw the exact same cast that you did when you caught a fish there in practice. You know what I mean? You expect and you quit hunting. And so I think that takes away from what can happen in a tournament and or if you went pre-fishing because, you know, you pull up to that point and you didn't catch one. So you leave, but you did not hit the lay down in the pocket. You quit hunting. So, right, right. you know, I think... Yeah, and so you and and then you run this milk run of all this expectation that doesn't happen. Well, all those things that you didn't fish that you thought about or, or didn't think about because you ran around expecting, you know, they end up ultimately hurting you. And and that's a tough lesson to learn, and uh, it's something to something to think about for sure. Sounds like the best maybe method is no matter what you've done in practice, stay on the hunt. In, in competition and because that's that's really where success can be generated i guess that's right you know i mean there's there's not just one way to catch a fish and, and it's not just what you did in practice it's not because you didn't go fish that but you didn't pick up a different rod well heck i've caught him on a plastic worm here why am i going to throw a spinnerbait well the wind's blowing today you know or, or whatever it is that i mean those things that you stop doing because you're going and expecting are what hurts you so keeping that in mind you know here we are middle of may scott what patterns should we be looking for this time of year, given, you know, kind of post-spawn, early summer, middle of May? Point us in the right direction. Well, you know, I mean, fish start to feed up after the spawn and, um, you know, things like shad spawn. As a matter of fact, the shad spawn is actually happening right here in Oklahoma as we speak. But, you know, th- those things start to... Uh, add up to where you know you can catch the fish that are feeding up and catch them on points and you know they they also uh, you know as you get closer to june will get out on ledges and that sort of thing and so it's really bait oriented you know they, they go to where you know whether it's a ledge lake they go to where they can ambush up and catch you know catch shad coming by man-made lakes heck they start to look at brush piles too you know anywhere they can go where the food is is where they're going to be that's one thing i heard many many moons ago is to understand the bass is to understand its forage so uh it's uh, always kind of rung true to me and you stop thinking about that at times you know we recently we've talked a little bit about you know the fundamentals of bass fishing and uh you know i, I go back and and i talk about this a lot actually when i'm guiding sometimes is is uh you know 
take I grew up playing basketball when I was young and and when you're in grade school your coach is telling you how to box out and make sure when there's a foul shot that you box out and and then you go to high school and it's the same situation every time there's a foul shot your coach is telling you to box out you know you go to college same thing you hear at the NBA it's all the same you know box out make sure you get a rebound because it's a fundamental of the sport and I think a lot of times we forget about the fundamentals of fishing and uh, Scott you, you hit it nail right on the head right there one of the basic fundamentals of fishing is to understand where the food is where is the forage and if you understand where the forage is then you should understand where the bass are going to be so i think that's a that's a great point and and there's a lot of fundamentals in fishing and aaron this could be a whole show in itself we might do this later on this year but talking about fundamentals of bass behavior and um how to break that down in order to be more successful anglers but um i got this quick question for you and i felt like we needed some kind of segment that we could ask every angler the same question and this might be the one going forward. But if you were to buy a tackle box with several lures for a buddy, what would you include in it for him? And break it down like this. You get three lures for winter, three for spring, and three for fall. What would you buy him, Scott? Well, I tell you what, I'm a jig guy. <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I really, it's something I throw a lot. It's something that I do well with a lot. And it, it, it works, you know, it works in the spring. It works in the summer and it works in the fall. And so I think for all the seasons, that would be, you know, one of the things that would be in there. Summertime, I'm, I'm a worm guy. You know, I'm not afraid to throw a big 10-inch worm either. And um, I don't throw it early spring. I probably should. You know, that kind of changes. You know, it can work in places early spring where other places it doesn't work so well if you throw a big worm versus a, you know, a normal worm. But a, a 10-inch worm all summer long definitely would be in my bag of tricks. Uh, springtime, I definitely throw a worm too. But, I you know, I downsize that worm. I'm throwing a big worm. I'm throwing more like a trick worm. So in springtime, I crawl a lot. It's something that'll work on a bed. It's something that you can fish down a bank where there are spawning flats where they are spawning. It's something that they like to pick up and take off the bed, you know, that's got more than one appendage for him to grab onto. You know, a lot of times when fish are spawning, they, they just grab a little piece of your bait. And so it's a little shorter to where hopefully at times, um, if you swing it one, taking it off the bed, that, that he's got enough of it to get hooked. I guess, in you know, in the, in the summertime and, and, and especially the fall as they load up to uh, get prepared for uh, the winter or whatever, um, or just, you know, just be eaten during the year. I love to throw a topwater bait. So that would definitely be in my bag of tricks also. So I like to throw a crankbait. It's not my favorite thing to do, you know. But it's also a mid-year bait that works well. And, and uh, you need a deep one and a shallow one because, you know, in the, in the fall, they're going to move up shallow. And in the summertime, they're out there deep on a ledge or on a point. So it would be the bait that I would uh, – definitely having my box for all the season. That's uh, certainly great advice there. And let's shift gears along the same lines, but uh, certainly not necessarily in your business. Any less important is kind of the business side of the fishing industry. And Scott, you're certainly very astute when it comes to that in the professional fishing realm. And you're always working with some large non-endemic companies. How can we get more of these into the marketing side of the bass fishing industry? You know, as our industry grows and it becomes more popular you know they're coming and learning you know what we do and a lot of it has to do with the folks that enjoy you know outdoors and a lot of those folks for me i found have been people that use their hands to work with but at the same time there's there's the doctor that loves fishing too but you know um i personally have found you know companies that folks that you know use tools carry a pocket knife and uh build houses or do plumbing or (laughs) seems like a lot of those guys hunt and fish and 
it's beneficial for people that manufacture that type of stuff to be involved with us because, you know, we're hitting a target market. And that's really, you know, one of the things that I've kind of focused at. It's like, where, you know, where does it fit? And so, but, you know, then again, there's non-endemic that work with us that uh, don't have anything to do with that. So, but it's definitely a growing deal in our industry. Well, I think there's definitely a lot of, lot of room to grow and, and you're certainly, you know, spreading the good word and getting a lot of these big corporations involved with fish. And I think that's awesome, you know, talking a little bit more about working the endemic side or, or companies that are involved in the fishing industry just by what they sell and services they provide. I understand you have a new relationship with a company and are working on some uh, signature products coming up here. Yeah, you know, it's called Insane Fishing and I am very, very excited about it, uh, getting to participate and, and be involved with them. Uh, and especially in the design of these jigs, we've got a concept that is not just another football head jig. You know, a lot of things come into play. And, of course, we'll have all, all kinds of jigs. But, you know, to start with, you know, my next tournament, I'll be I'll be throwing them. And one of the neat things about where I'll be throwing them there's, uh, or about the jig that, that they'll come into play is that the eye of the hook is actually recessed in the head. So as you bounce that dude down through the rocks, you're not beating on the knot and weakening you know to where hey you get a big bite and swing at him and you break off because the rocks have chewed up your knife it's recessed in the head designed along with a really really good sharp not a wimpy hook but a, you know a good size hook uh that won't straighten and uh, you'll keep the fish on the other part about it is you know not just the skirts but the paint on the head the two-color head that the paint stays on as you as you rough him up down from the bottom so right a lot of good stuff like that yeah you know if you're into a jig that you really appreciate so pumped about that well i bet, I bet you'll be slinging that thing at kentucky lake working them shell beds uh coming up here uh just in a couple of weeks as we hit uh kentucky Kentucky Lake on the FLW tour. That's for sure. Um, that's right. And, and, and also I'll be throwing that at Pickwick too. You know, it's something that can come into play there pretty darn quick as we get into post-spawn territory. Not a question. Those Tennessee river fish love those ledges. Scott, yes, we've do. got the uh, O'Reilly auto parts, better parts, better prices every day. Listener question segment up next. Today's question comes from Phil Anastasi from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Phil asks this, I love the fish toads, but they always seem to spin on me during the retrieve. I've even tried using the double hook toad hooks with very little success. How do I get my toads to stop spinning like a helicopter? I usually throw a weighted hook in mine and the weight is under the bait. Don't have any problem with that. So that, you know, might be something to consider. I, I'm kind of surprised and, you know, I'm not sure what brand of toad he's throwing, but um, I haven't had a lot of trouble with them spinning it. You may be possibly reeling that toad too fast. <laughs> but yeah, you might try a single hook and, and not the double hook and uh, just use the weighted version. Actually, you, you use the weighted version in a single or a double and maybe slow down the retreat be what I'd recommend. There you go. That, that might do it for you, Phil. Scott, thanks for answering that question. And uh, please send us an email through our website, BassEdge.com. Click on the Claim Your Prize tab. Let us know you heard the answer from Scott right here on the show. We'll send you out that O'Reilly Auto Parts gift card. And reminder to all Bass Edge listeners to send in your questions to the show via our website, BassEdge.com, to have a shot at winning an O'Reilly Auto Parts gift card. And you can also email us at support at BassEdge.com or leave us a comment on our Facebook and Twitter media pages. Scott, we certainly appreciate you educating Bass Edge Nation and certainly great having you on this episode. Any uh, final thoughts for our listeners? Man, I just say it's a great time of year to get out there 
the fish are spawning all over the place currently. So yeah, if you, if you have an opportunity to go grab a kid, grab a friend or, or, you know, whoever you get a chance to go with and get out there and get after it. Because right now, man, it, it's a spawn fest. You can catch a mess of crappie and come home and cook them up, or you can go out there and catch some big old bass. So weather's good, you know, in a lot of places, not too hot, not too cold, just right. So yeah, my advice is get out there and enjoy it. Get those memories rolling. <laughs> well, I plan on doing that this afternoon, Scott. So we're going to hang this baby up, but it, it was definitely fun hanging with you again i will definitely see you at our next event here on the flw tour kentucky lake in the first week of june until then take care buddy it was fun chatting bass edge radio we will return in just a moment now you can order bass edge season three on dvd own the best resource for tips and techniques in bass fishing as host aaron martin tackles lakes across the country with the industry's top pro anglers including denny brower boyd duckett randy howell and dave wolak this two disc set includes all 13 episodes that's over 10 hours of bass edge including interviews bloopers and highlights all for just 19.95 order online at BassEdge.com and be sure to check out previously released dvds like bass edge seasons one and two and electronics 101 Bass Edge Season 3, now on DVD at BassEdge.com. I'm professional angler Bradley Roy. Thanks for listening to Bass Edge Radio. Well, Aaron, that was fun talking to uh, Mr. Scott Ashmore there, Major League Fishing extraordinaire. You know, we talked about it several times about the popularity and how it really relates to the weekend angler because they got to get out there on the lake, find fish fast. If they want to have fun, they want to be catching fish. And MLF kind of shows them how to do it in a lot of situations. Yeah, no doubt. One thing as a fan, I guess, of MLF, Perhaps since you and Scott both compete, give me a rundown. What is the difference? Help me wrap my arms around selects versus cup. Yeah, so the selects versus the cup. Basically, the way Major League Fishing started is you had 24 cup anglers. So they had two events a year, the Challenge Cup and the Summit Cup. So those 24 anglers would fish two events, and it was those two cup events. And then they brought in 24 additional anglers, and those were the select anglers. So they have the select competitions with those 24 anglers before the cup competitions and six winners of select events get to advance to the cups so really the selects is kind of like a triple a level and then the cups is the major league level and um, that's really how how that breaks down if uh during the six competition days of each select event whether it's the summit selects or the challenge selects those winners move on to the summit cup or conversely the challenge cup So that's kind of the process of how you move up through it. Scott really covered everything as far as the day's fishing and score tracker and every fish counts and catch and release. And so it it creates for a really exciting atmosphere. Um, Again, I think a lot of the success of the TV show is because it touches a lot of bases. It touches education. It touches the competition. And you get the personality aspect of all the anglers because there's not a lot of host talk in the shows. I mean, you're watching the fish 
action, you're watching the action, and because you're watching six anglers in the selects or up to 10 anglers in the cup events, there's always fish catching going on. So it's a lot of fun to watch everybody break down the lakes and um, bring fish up on that score track or watch the score you know, increase as the competition goes on. And more often than not, it gets heated right there at the very end. And you would think, well, the first period of the competition, you kind of really see the way things are going. Well, Aaron, that is not the case. There are so many adjustments made and so many uh, changes in the scoring system that, man, you can be 15 or 20 pounds down with, you know, two hours left to fish. And all of a sudden a guy comes back at the very end, figure something out and ends up winning the competition. So uh, it's just a ton of fun, man. I just get jacked up talking about it. So it's I couldn't it's tell. A cool I, event. I, I yeah, 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 yeah. So, so no, yeah. it's uh, it's certainly uh, one of the hottest things to hit the airwaves and uh, be on TV. So a lot of fun. And I'm sure it is a tremendous amount of fun, but also tremendously stressful competing in that. But unfortunately, we are out of time here on episode 232. Want to thank you, the listener, for being part of that. And uh, hey, be sure to tune us in in the meantime via our website at BassEdge.com. And don't forget to send in those listener questions. For Kurt Dove, I am Aaron Martin. We will see you right here on the Bass Edge Airwaves, June 1st. So long, everybody. You know the importance of protecting your investments. So why use anything other than the toughest keel protector for your boat? Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology. Keel Guard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the most dependable, most trusted keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. Keel Guard keel protectors. Edge is presented by KeelGuard. For more information on Bass Edge or to shop at the Bass Edge online store, visit BassEdge.com. And be sure to join Kurt Dove and Aaron Martin right here on another episode of The Edge, brought to you in part by Legend Boats, O'Reilly Auto Parts, Mercury Marine, Lowrance, PowerPole, and Rapaholic.com.